اهلا وسهلا بكم اليوم راح احكي مع ساره اسد عن التعاون الاقليمي ساره اسد اهلا وسهلا بك Hold on one second what just happened there What do you mean this is an interview this is you know But something just happened there <laughs> I try I I picked up a few things but A for effort so is it A for effort all right that's that's all take it's been a while Do they say A for effort or E for effort? A. At least A in the case. Should be an E though, because E effort. Okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. Um, can you introduce yourself for everyone who doesn't know you? Okay. So I am Sada Asad. Um, I am part of the Endeavor Jordan team. So I'm the entrepreneur selection and growth team at Endeavor Jordan. I've been with Endeavor for... almost over three years now um, and it has been my first job in the entrepreneurial ecosystem so it's very exciting um, I think I would say Endeavor has been sort of like a mini MBA for me so far um, so yeah and that is me I am currently actually doing my MBA at IE University as well. Ooh, so where do you learn more? I so whatever I learned through my MBA I try to apply with my entrepreneurs actually Um, so it's been a it's been a two way thing, and I everything I learned at Endeavor I try to present um, during my classes. So they've That's been awesome. great uh, complimenters. Okay, so maybe we'll have if we have enough time, I would actually love to dig into that. But what I really wanted to talk about today was about uh, regional collaboration, and you are a member of the ESG Council. And so, actually, how long have you been on the ESG Council, and how did you even like find out about it, or what made you apply? So I've been part of the ESG Council for a few months now. Um, so we've we've just begun to kick things off. Um, and I found out about it through Slack, of course, where you find out everything about, about everything. Um, so I was really excited to be part of the ESG Council because throughout the, these years, I've always interacted with the global teams um, and we've always exchanged a few practices, but we've never really worked together um, on projects. I mean... We always interact, but we never really dive deeper into um, specific projects for entrepreneurs and for servicing. Um, so that's what I've I've been excited. Uh, that's why I was very excited to join the ESG Council. And before you worked on ESG Council, did you have any like regional collaboration? Did you work with other offices in the Middle East? We did, and actually, that's a there's a good story to that. Um, so two years ago, we went to Riyadh for the first ESG uh, retreat, um, which was actually the last physical ISP for Endeavor. Um, and there, we started. Every office started exchanging the, the the key strengths of the offices and the initiatives that they roll out, and realized that most of us roll out the same initiatives. So for example, access to markets, access to capital. The projects were very similar. So we were like, why don't we do this as a region together? And we're not a very big region, I mean, compared to LATAM, for example. Um, yeah. And the region is very interconnected. So I'm not sure if this is a question for later, but for example, every country in the region has a key strength. So Jordan has a lot of talent and tech talent, whereas Saudi Arabia is the main market where entrepreneurs like to um, operate and sell their products or services. On the other hand, for example, the UAE in Dubai is a hub for investors. Um, so we all have these different strengths and different resources. So coming all together has been really such a beautiful way to service the entrepreneurs for the past few months. So was it entrepreneurs who were pushing you guys to be like, hey, 
I, I want to have smoother access to these different markets because sometimes I need money, sometimes I need talent, sometimes I need uh, clients. Or was this something um, kind of proactive by Endeavor to be like, wait a second, we could all be collaborating here? It was something after that was proactive by Endeavor. Um, so many of our, so we, we were championing as Endeavor Jordan, the access to markets and many offices were very interested in the markets that we were going to. So we went to Tunisia, we went to Turkey and we were exploring Bulgaria before COVID hit. So a lot of the different offices were also interested in taking their entrepreneurs to these markets. So we're like, why do we duplicate the effort where we can, we're all close as a region. We all speak the same language. Our entrepreneurs relatively have the same culture or operate the same way. So why not do this together? Um, so different offices started championing different initiatives um, and entrepreneurs got together and so many things came out of it. Um, so we learned best practices from every office. Entrepreneurs from different offices also got the chance to connect um, other than connecting over networking events. They got to connect in action while they were operating and working. And so I'm curious if you could give a little bit more uh, detail on like a, a project that is like very regionally um, collaborative, yeah. So I think I'll talk about access to markets. It's something that I've led at Endeavor Jordan for the past two years. And honestly, one of the, the most things that I'm passionate about at Endeavor. Um, so at Endeavor Jordan, we started a market exploration series uh, two years ago, whereby we take a bunch of or a handful of companies um, to specific markets every two to three months. Um, and it's usually five to six companies. Um, and we take them physically to that market. We go to that market, we set up sessions for them with investors, um, with local entrepreneurs, followed by one-to-one -one sessions with either channel partners or potential business development partners. Um, so, and from every, from every trip, we used to get about five to six solid leads as well for every company. So that was a great, great achievement. Damn, and out of these- ROI. It's, it's extremely good. So out of these solid leads, I mean, one or two, at least for every company would convert into an actual deal. So it was, we saw that it was a great initiative and there were actual results coming out of it. Um, and when we used to do the market exploration through market entry forms, I mean, those were great doing them virtually, but we actually realized that when we take the companies to the actual markets, they get to experience what it's like to physically be there so for example we took a bunch of companies that were interested in turkey when they got there and experienced the markets and networked with everyone there many of them realized that it will be difficult to actually explore that market or set up their business in that market due to for example the language barrier and the difference in doing business so it was a it was a good experience to learn whether to operate in that market or not um, and then as i mentioned when we went to the to the esg retreat a lot of countries were very, a lot of, sorry, offices were very interested in what we were doing. Um, and there were, and what we did was as a collaborative initiative for access to markets, we, every office got data from their entrepreneurs in terms of what is their market of interest, what markets they're already operating in, what markets they're, op they're operating in, but would like to further develop in. So we got all of this data from all of the offices in the MENAT region. And what we did is we aggregated this data, we analyzed it, we broke it down, and we created a lookbook. So the MENA 2020 um, markets lookbook. And the lookbook is sort of a guide to look at. So if I were, for example, an F&B entrepreneur, I would open this lookbook and look at where the highest concentration of entrepreneurs in the F&B vertical are 
in the in the region. Um, so it really did give a lot of insights for especially the entrepreneurs that are in, in specific sectors. So for example, we have a gaming entrepreneur um, and most gaming companies in the region are focused in Turkey. So that was a very insight, uh, a great insight to actually see that visually in a lookbook. That's awesome. And I think access to markets is one of like, it's Endeavor's biggest strength. Obviously we're in 39 markets. It's the first thing that like, spills out of our mouth um, after we talk about high impact and what that means. But I'm curious, it's also in some ways the most politically fraught. Like, I feel as though there's always the market that's like everybody wants to sell into. And there's always the market where all the entrepreneurs are looking like they're looking to expand beyond that market. And it's just like natural. There's nothing that we can do about it. Um, But it can make things tricky. And so how do you go about thinking like, okay, how do, how do we balance that everybody wants to expand into Saudi? Or how do we you know, balance the relationship management piece involved in that? That's a good question. And honestly speaking, um, so far, I mean, we don't, so far we haven't. Um, so for example, the last- I appreciate last- the honesty. We have it. We don't really balance it out. We get a bunch of entrepreneurs wanting to go to that market. We take them and it just really depends. And I think that's the beauty of Endeavor because we have so many entrepreneurs from so many verticals. So it's only, as you said, it's only natural that entrepreneurs from this sector want to expand to this specific market. Um, so last year we we had probably 90, I would say 90% of our portfolio companies wanting to expand into Saudi Arabia. And we made it happen. And we had like more than one trip, more than one event. Um, And I mean, up until this day, the Endeavor Saudi office have been so helpful in registering these companies. So half of our portfolio companies are actually registered in Saudi Arabia now. Um, But how we balance it out, we don't. We we just do what we have to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I appreciate the honesty. Is there, so you mentioned like gaming is clearly in Turkey. Were there other clear like industry trends um, where like FNB and even maybe not where the um, just by numbers wise, like quantitatively where there's the heavyweights, but even like where the best companies come from or like more qualitative side. So the question of where the best company comes from is obviously Jordan, (laughs) obviously it's quite political. Um, So I have to be very diplomatic as part of uh, the ESG council representing the region. (laughs) You are a skilled diplomat already. Um, But I guess, so instead of like the number of companies where you see the largest companies go with that. Um, So, I mean, naturally the largest companies have, are seen in the UAE and Saudi Arabia, and that's given the size of the market. Um, So especially these big markets, they have a lot of uh, growth potential. Naturally, I mean, the the main VCs are there, main business development or drivers of growth are based in these large markets, and that comes naturally. Um, And it's a fun fact, actually, is the first accelerator in the region was in Jordan, and that was Oasis 500 uh, back in 2008 or nine. Eight, I think. And the first Endeavor office in the region was in Jordan as well, back in 2009. Um, but naturally, I mean, the concentration grew to markets like UAE and Saudi Arabia, given that, uh, that those resources. And another thing to point out is that 
In smaller markets like Lebanon and Jordan, entrepreneurship usually rises out of necessity rather than, okay, we have the funding, um, we have the resources, let's start up a venture. Um, that's not to say that that doesn't happen in other markets, but usually that is the trend. Um, so you do see the differences in how entrepreneurship is created or how entrepreneurial ventures are created in different markets within the region, given the resources and, and access to other markets as well. Yeah. And, you know, when we say um, the region and we just think, oh, like Middle East broadly, I'm curious for people who don't know the region all that well, what would be, what are some of the nuances between how you do business in Jordan versus Lebanon versus Saudi or Dubai? Or is it pretty, at least from the business side of things, a homogenous business culture? I like that question. So I would say nowadays, because everyone has been, I mean, whoever has a company in Jordan also has a headquarters in KSA or Dubai and so on. So nowadays, I mean, it has the, the working or business environment is relatively the same. Or to put it in better words, everyone sort of has an understanding of how to do business with another culture in the region. Um, but before that, you would see the differences. So I would, I usually, when looking at the MENA region, um, I usually look at, for example, the Levant countries like Lebanon, um, Syria, Jordan. They relatively have a same culture in a way. Um, you can even notice that in, for example, the accents and the food and all of that. And then when you look at the Gulf countries, they have a closer culture together. So um, their culture is, is different than to, to the Levant. Although we all speak the same language, but different dialects. We do business, but the way that we do business is quite different. Um, so not going into too much detail, so we don't take up much time, but that's usually how it is. Um, I would say in the in Gulf countries, because they have more exposure and they have more resources, so growth, I would say, tends to be easier or faster in a way. In the region like Jordan and Lebanon, because these resources are in the other part of the Middle East, so growth sometimes tends to be slower. And because we don't usually have the market and in order to grow, we need to explore other markets like the Gulf countries. So growth tends to be slower. Uh, but in terms of doing business, I mean, as I said, both both parties have had have started to have an understanding. That's awesome. Um, then, you know, I we need to wrap up soon, but I want to go back to something that you touched on at the very start of the interview, which was you take what you learn from your MBA and apply it to Endeavor, and you take your what you see at Endeavor, bring that into the classroom. And that line that like endeavors of mini MBA, we always say, and then I've never had an MBA myself. So I'm always like scratching my head and I'm like, is that, is that actually true? So if you could just choose one thing that you took from your MBA, applied it to Endeavor, and then one thing that you see Endeavor and brought it to the classroom. So I would say Endeavor was more of a, is more practical. So I've got to experience how to grow and scale companies and work hands-on. Whereas with the MBA, I learned the theory behind it, or let's say the rationalization behind why startups do what they do and why they grow this way, or even in terms of corporate finance um, or digital transformation. So that they sort of complement each other because 
I was always doing its endeavor. We were always executing strategies and plans and initiatives and raising capital. But I never really knew the, I don't want to say theory, but in this case, the theory behind all of this and what it really means. Uh, so I think when servicing the companies, many entrepreneurs also don't know the theory behind what they're doing. So that we sort of started acting as, as in-house consultants at Endeavor Jordan. So that has sort of helped me. My MBA has helped me bring in the rationale behind why we do what we do with the execution with our, our scale-up companies. And with the scale-up companies and what we do, it, when de debating something in class in the MBA, I give always give my experience. So, so, okay, this theory doesn't always work because I know company X, Y, and Z did this, but they all have different experiences, for example. Can, we, can you give me a specific, either a specific instance, you know, one way or the other is like cash flow management theory is completely not the case when it comes to scale ups, or is it, um, I don't know, how much dilution you should take is something that like entrepreneurs aren't thinking about, but there's a clear like best practice learned in the MBA. What's like a specific instance? A specific instance. That's where I blank out because there are so many. Um, I think I would say when it comes to fundraising. So, for example, when companies are, are raising rounds of capital and they set a specific strategy about the valuation and how they're going to use this capital um, and how they're going to inject it in the company. So a specific example is that when we were studying or when, when we we're taking um, finance and investment in the MBA, you have all of these plans, but all of these plans never consider that a nature of a scale up changes within days or weeks or months. So nothing has to be set in stone. Um, mm. So that's something that, that helped me understand uh, more. Awesome. All right. Um, so now I will end this interview with the hardest hitting question that I can imagine, which is, what is your favorite Endeavor value and why? My favorite Endeavor value? I would say entrepreneur first, always. I mean, we do what we do um, for these entrepreneurs, and it's everything we do is to service them, to scale them, and this all feeds back to our local ecosystems. Our, as our local ecosystems grow and as our markets grow, this also feeds into the entire network and global market. So, I mean, Endeavor has an incredible ripple effect and it all starts with putting the entrepreneur first. That's awesome. All right. Um, well, thank you for that. And we will end the uh, interview right now.